the writer powerful message their own faith in the 11th chapter of Hebrews it really begins in the chapter before chapter 10 using the words of Habakkuk to exhort to us to be strong in faith while we patiently wait for God's salvation he uses phrases such as you have need of patience in a little while and also the just shall live by faith and so we are to stand firm, waiting now for God to fulfill his plan, as we're told. We are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe. And so the soldier, as Brother Graydon has talked about this morning, the soldier who, who draws back in battle is lost. We're told that the just shall live by faith. And faith equips us then to press forward. It acts as a shield to defend and to protect us in battle. Paul there in Ephesians lists faith, he says, with the whole armor of God, which would provide us some head-to-toe protection as we a battle against, as he says, the wiles of the devil. And also he goes on to say, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The Christian soldier carries seven pieces of armor that protect him against protects him or her against the difficulties and the problems that we encounter during our life in Christ. And those are loins girt with truth, breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with preparation of the gospel, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, the sword of spirit, and praying, and prayer, and supplication. And so each peach of armor protects the individual. But the shield of faith, as Paul says, is above all, suggesting then a, a wider protective role. The Roman shield was a large leather-covered, and it measured 47 inches by 24 inches. And it provided a barrier there against the enemy's spears and darts, which are often carried a flaming tip to maximize the injury. And that tough, tough leather on the shield would resist puncture and also the spread of fire. And so a group of soldiers now under attack would form what they would call a tortoise, where those in front and those in the side held their shields out, making a wall of solid defense. Those behind would raise their shields over their heads. This way, individuals could work together to provide, as Paul says, overall protection, not unlike a tortoise's shell. So how appropriate, then, is Paul's description here? We are individually responsible for our own actions. But also, we can benefit from knowing that we are not alone in practicing our faith. We are stronger. We can help protect and support one another when deploying our faith in unison as an overall shield, not unlike what we're doing here this weekend. The Greek word for the Roman shield comes from the word door, 
we're all familiar with the idea of door to the salvation being open to us. But we also may find examples of a door being closed to help protect us and keep us safe. We find those in Genesis and Isaiah and John. Or perhaps the most famous door being shut for protection is the door there of the ark in Noah's time. In Genesis, we're told that Abraham, God told Abraham to fear not. I am thy shield and thy exceedingly great reward. So God's reassurance here comes to Abraham immediately after his, his intervention here and his plan to rescue Lot, who has been taken captive by the king of Elam. After the battle, Abraham goes and shares bread and wine with Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and the priest of Most High. And so this reminds us then of our remembering of Christ in, in this bread and this wine this morning in our memorial. And so the writer here in, in the Hebrew letter then describes this as a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. God reassured Abraham that he was both his shield and his reward and, re, and restated his covenant then with the assurance that through Abraham, though Abraham was childless at this time, his descendants one day would be beyond number. God was indeed, indeed a shield to Abraham and his reward. There in Habakkuk, the word faith there is central to his thoughts and his writing. And it is faith which supports and strengthens Habakkuk in his time to deal with the revelation and that unrighteous power then that will punish God's people. Faith and patience is always required. Perhaps patience may be more harder than faith at times. But the prophet here expresses, expresses confidence in God's ultimate salvation in spite of the judgments that must come first. And so this word shield that we talked about this morning earlier is not used here by the prophet. The prophet stands on his watchtower and in effect using his faith then as his shield to help him accept the need for judgment while confident in the ultimate restoration. Paul there in Galatians also takes us back to Habakkuk to explain that the law and the law of Moses there in its own cannot make us right with God. And this is the main theme here throughout Galatians. As Paul takes us through the case of Abraham to show that it was faith, not the Mosaic law, which brought blessings and covenant to Abraham. Faith is mentioned in half, in half of the verses here in Galatians, explaining that faith in the work of Christ begins, if he brings us to God and his children and heirs into the promises. And so Paul here contrasts observance of the tangible rules of trust in something that cannot be seen. And so this is a point being made here in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. 
So having considered now the writer writing here in the 10th chapter, as we quoted from Habakkuk, we turn our thoughts now to faith as we come to this 11th chapter, which speaks so powerfully about faith and action. And again, the word shield is not specifically mentioned here, but perhaps we can sense the idea. But we're told in the very first verse there of that 11th chapter, that the substance, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith brings a present reality then to the things we are striving for and we have committed our lives to. It is un it is the unseen reality then of our salvation. And this passage continues on here with a, a summary then of, of the faithful men and women alike in scripture, all of whom had lived living their lives and gave witness and confidence in their future salvation. And so those are astonishing examples of faith. And we marvel at those people as we're as we read there in verse 13, that they all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and confessed that they were strangers, pilgrims on this earth. Their faith did protect them like a shield from the onslaught of sin, from those fiery darts of the wicked around them. But faith did not give them complete immunity from difficulties. As we read on over in the 11th chapter of Hebrews there, in verses beginning at 36, we're told that others had trials of cruel mockings and scourging and game over of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, we're told. And they, were, they were sown asunder and they were tempted and they were slain with the sword and they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, we're told of them also of whom the world was not worthy. So we're not told for sure who the writer of this Hebrew letter was, and many people believe it was Paul. But like I said, we were not told. But if it was perhaps Paul, maybe he wrote this from Rome at the very end of his ministry. He could have been reaccounting incense from his own personal experience. Paul could have been a prisoner at Rome there in the time of the reign of Nero, possibly during the great fire that destroyed much of the city. So following the fire, Nero now persecuted the Christians, blaming them for causing and spreading this fire. Many of those at that time were tortured, executed in barbaric ways. And Paul could have very likely have been witnessed some of this, some of this horror as he was waiting his own fate, adding then personal meaning to the thoughts expressed here this morning that we're considering. But whatever the circumstances and whoever the writer of these words, the conclusion then is the most uplifting exhortation for us all as we continue on in this 11th chapter in verse 39. We're told that these all obtained a good report through faith and received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us. 
And so the writer goes on to, into the next chapter there in chapter 12. He goes on to remind us there in the second verse of the, the central role of Jesus. He said that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. So this writer goes on then to invite us then to turn our attention now to ourselves there in the first verse, seeing we are also compassed about so great a cloud of witness. And so how extraordinary, how exciting it is, is to be invited now to consider ourselves to be a part of this vast number of faithful witnesses. And so there should be something, something wonderfully reassuring in, in this invitation now for us to join in this, this cloud of faithful people. Going back to Paul's writing in the Ephesians, he uses the phrase above all. He says, above all, take the shield of faith. And so now we need to thank God for the wonderful privilege of being surrounded then by such a great a cloud of witnesses. And we have that image that we talked about a moment ago about the soldiers working to, together to, to employ their shields and all together and a protecting cover. And that then should fit well in with what we are talking about this morning. And for the faithful then described here in this, in this Hebrew letter, their faith and certainly the promises and in God and his power to save. With their protecting shield, though it is difficult in, in their difficult and testing lives. And so their faith we read about here should then encourage us that we can hold our shields out in unison together with them as we too walk forward in faith encompassed then by that cloud of witnesses. Jesus Christ chose to stand before his tormentors and to carry that burden of sin on his shoulders alone. And so like Abraham, now we take bread and wine and remember with gratitude his example and of his uncheckable faith as we wait his return may our faith protect us as well and keep us strong and we demonstrate that faith that we're taking of these emblems of Christ's great personal sacrifice this this piece of bread representing his broken body and this cup of wine representative of his shed blood. And so let us read the account, if you will, there in 1 Corinthians. There in that upper room. In the 11th chapter. 1 Corinthians 11 chapter there beginning at verse 23. Paul wrote, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus at the same night in which he betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, this do you ought to be drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do so forth the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup 
of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the, of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh condemnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So at this time, we ask Brother Joel if he'll give it a blessing then for the wine.
this time that we stand and Brother Philip now ask the prayer for the wine.
So we're told that after they took of the emblem, they sung and hymn and went out. So let us conclude this morning.